Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good morning. I am Richard Tuttle and I, largely speaking, wander around this place uh, doing stuff with Porsches. And if I'm not here, I may be in Africa, in Sweden or somewhere else, but almost always uh, enjoying a 911 or one of its variants. The Driven Chat Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital. Hello there and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast. My name is John Markar and as you've just heard there this week, we are joined by the fabulous Richard Tuthill, who's set the scene perfectly by saying we're in this place. I'll explain what this place is in just a second. Before I do that, it's worth saying hello to my Beloved co-host, Miles Lacey. How are you doing, That Miles? was said through gritted teeth, isn't it? <laughs> Hello, yes. Who I should point out as well, for the second or third time in a podcast recording, um, Miles is currently in a very different time zone to the rest of us because you have just got off an aeroplane. <laughs> yeah, I'm, still, I'm still on Australian time, so, so um, bear with me. Yeah, we'll, we'll be gentle with Miles. The rubbish that comes out of my mouth might be increased somewhat. <laughs> There'll be two levels of this. There'll either be loads of chat from you or none, because it's all been edited out, because it's just waffle. Um, but yes, we'll get there. Um, but here we are. We are, let me set the scene of where we are, because we're in a really special place. As Richard describes, this place, this place being Tuthill, the... What is the best way to describe this? The palace that is a room filled with beautiful classic Porsche 911s, but not exclusively Porsche 911s, I should add. Uh, there are majority-wise Porsche 911s here. And Richard, what's the best way of describing you? I've written down a few words, and feel free to correct, remove, or add any. I've written you down here as an engineer, 
a racing driver and a rally driver, a restoration specialist, a global adventurer, and a bit of an event organiser. Jeez, can you write my CV? That's <laughs> yeah, of course yeah. I can. Yeah. Uh, Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, that would sounds also, good. Would also probably fit well there. No, I am... Um, I, I'm, I, yeah, I, I'm not actually an engineer. Um, I did study engineering for a while at university. Um, but, no, look, I, I'm, uh, I'm just a general all-round doer. Nice. And, um, and, and the answer to every question is yes. And this is what happens if you say yes too many times. What, this? You sit in a podcast? Yeah, so <laughs> just sat, sat wasting the morning when I could be driving a 911. Uh, yeah, no, look, we, we've, we get involved in all sorts of stuff simply because I say yes yeah. to, to almost everything. But that sounds good. I, I should have written down the quote um, that we said just before we hit the record button for you, dear listener. I said, uh, I said to Richard, how long have we got you for? Is there anything you need to shoot off and do? And I, I'm trying to think of that wonderful quote you gave, which was something along the lines of, um, I will never get done what needs to get done. So don't worry about it. There is no day that's long enough to achieve what you might wish to achieve you when you walk in here in the morning, especially if you have the attention span of a newt, which is certainly right up my street. It's quite a common thing, I think, in this industry, certainly for me. I used to worry about it. Yeah. And in fact, um, it's quite personal quite quickly, but I did some ADHD testing quite recently because my son was diagnosed with ADHD. And... and T- terrible surprise to everybody. I'm full of it. Right. Um, and so I thought, well, I'd better take some tablets and see if I can calm myself down. They failed. Mm. Um, in fact, not a, not a great result at all. And then I reflected on it. I thought, hold on a minute. There's one reason why we're doing what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's because I do think slightly differently. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Why would so, you try and tamper that down? Yeah. So I thought, well, look, I'm, I'm uh, 48 years old. So I'm probably, I'll give up. I'll just accept who I am and carry on happily, I might add. There you go. Well, that's it. That's the most important thing. And, and I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because there is a, a, a bit of a, a trend, I'm going to say. It's a, a delicate uh, subject to to play with because I know that some people do suffer and some people have, have quite bad issues with it but there does seem to be this big trend at the moment where everyone seems to think they have ADHD because they're being told they have by social media and there's yeah, some there's people who definitely are working through certain things and a lot of people that aren't but you, you mentioned the medication side there as well which is something that's quite I mean that's a, that's a debate in itself isn't it because it's quite a it's quite an altering drug isn't it the ADHD medication it completely can change somebody's personality and, and their 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 focus, which I guess is what it's designed to do, but that as a result can therefore change the way that they are and act and, and think. Yeah, and I think having kids is, um, you know, has highlighted that for us. But I, th- I think more than that, th- there's, a, there's a label for everything mm. right now. Um, and uh, I, of course, some of it's very, very good, very, very productive, but um, it's okay to be uh, whoever you are, really. And I haven't achieved this yet, but if you're really comfortable with who you are, well, well done you, because that's extraordinary uh, to achieve that. And, and social media, I have to be very careful because Laura's sitting next to me. <laughs> um, but social media is a huge problem for us all. Yeah. It's very, very beneficial in many ways, and it's great to tell the world what you're up to. But we focus very hard on uh, real stories, mm. real life, um, and I think that's really important because uh, if I looked at Instagram too often, which thankfully I don't, I've never posted, by the way, on single... Wow. I, I get involved in a little bit of what Laura does and, and usually take a screenshot and say, um, like this, don't like this, whatever, but I've never personally posted anything. I never will. 
Um, but I think if I looked at Instagram too often, uh, I'd work out that we are absolutely not good enough to be building 911s. So we should stop mm. because everything on in the world of social media is so bloody fantastic. Yeah, that's a fantastic point you make. So, a, ra- a fantastic point you make. And if that was to come from anyone's mouth with a degree of credibility, then I would say it would be yours. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, well, we're in a world of critics, aren't we, where everyone's got a criticism on everything. You could, I often think, I'm sure I heard it possibly on another podcast, but somebody was talking about, yeah, thinking about if social media and Instagram specifically existed through different times. And if social media was around at the time that Michelangelo was carving things out of marble, how many people would, God, would be there in the comments going, his hand is actually a bit too big. Yeah. You've, you've yeah. really scuffed Can't that up. You, did you like should that. never <laughs> carve anything out of marble again because you're rubbish. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but look, it's, it it's okay that we all have an opinion and, and people who like some stuff and dislike others. Uh, I live in Wardington, surrounded by grass fields, and if it doesn't happen in Wardington, I'm probably unaware of what's going on. So, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll continue in that vein, but yeah, just uh, keep, keep doing what you love and, and, and try and... Um, Try and enjoy it. Love it. We started where we usually end, yeah, which is quite yeah. nice. I, I like that. <laughs> Should we stop now? Yeah. We, shortest <laughs> podcast <laughs> ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to reference a couple of things as well, which I should have done right at the beginning, uh, which is the fact that we are in a slightly echoey room. So hopefully that's not going to be an issue for you, dear listener, but you'll forgive us because, of course, there's nothing better than coming to a location where we are uh, present and around the activity that happens. The other thing I'll mention, which I, I should do through utter uh, professionalism, is as you can hear in the background there, we are currently overlooking the main workshop um, which is going to come with some noises so you're going to hear some tooling you're going to hear some rumbles of flat sixes starting i'm not going to apologize for it because that's where we are and it sounds awesome so there we go there that's go. just a little in case anyone's at home going what the hell is that noise why does it sound like somebody's doing up bolts outside they're not it's here um, right, Richard, what we like to do, a fun little task, a fun little question that I love to ask and that helps us unpick some of your fabulous history is identifying a core memory as far back as you can remember that might have planted the seed or switched on the pilot light that's ultimately got you to where you are now. So that might be a memory as a very small child or a young adult. Is there anything that sticks into your mind? My memory is famously useless. Great, good start. <laughs> um, which is really helpful given the question you've just asked. <laughs> I, I guess there's a few things. I probably remember a quattro at somewhere like Sutton Park or something on the RAC rally. That would have been cool. Uh, I remember falling out of the seatbelts of my father's Group A golf mm. whilst he was testing in a forest in Wales. I remember the start of the safari rally when Dad did it in a Saab. The reason I remember it is because he... He, he was sharing the car with a local guy who insisted on starting the rally. So it used to start in the middle of Nairobi. And there was a sort of lined, I think, cobble streets. And they came off the ramp. Bearing in mind, it was World Championship Rally, so a lot of cars had gone before. Mm. Anyway, they set off. I mean, literally, literally like it was the beginning of a, of a special stage. <laughs> and I, I thought it was huge, exciting. What the guy was actually trying to... He said to Dad, what you have to do in the safari, Dad knew no better... Uh, is you really need to get ahead of everything because Safari has an, a unique timing system. Mm. Anyway, this bloke went like hell. So my memories of Kenya, because it lasted all of about three stages, um, my memory of Kenya when I was, I don't know, 10 or 11, I can't remember, there's some good pictures about, um, was the pineapple juice uh, in the hotel and them going off the start line like lunatics. But I don't have a specific memory of 
why the hell I'm sitting here. You can see where I was literally born, uh, ah, 50 meters away. I see. So I grew up here. I, had, I sort of had no chance. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so I guess then that the follow-up question to that is why 911s? Because, of course, this is what the brand is known for. The, the brand name has the word Porsche in it. Where did that start? Why aren't we looking at a showroom full of classic Mercedes-Benz or Volkswagens? Well, I don't know. When did this place start? Early 70s. And you would have been surrounded by VWs, 356s, and, uh-huh. and then Golfs and Audis, because it was a normal service workshop. The 911 thing happened as a result of a conversation Dad had with David Richards at the beginning of their SCRS Rothmans Rally Program. And outside, in the pouring rain, uh, is the original show car... And don't get too excited, it's, um, it's a little worn, that DR drove to Milton Keynes to pitch the Rothmans rally programme to Rothmans. Wow. And Dad owned a, 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 a white Carrera 3, which is quite a cool car in its own, own right. DR said, oh, can I buy it? Dad said, yes, why? Told him the story, so Dad said, well, that's fine as long as I can do the work. Dad painted the first show car, and then his relationship with David, DR Autosport, which became ProDrive, Ran then until, you know, through all the McRae years and up till World Rally cars uh, with Bernsey and all of that stuff. It stopped then. But the point is, that was the catalyst for the 911. Mm-hmm. And it, that was, let's say that was 1984 or whenever it was, some, something like that. It wasn't really until the old man did London, Sydney in, again, crap with dates, 91, 1990, I can't remember. He won it. Um, which was good. Um, that, they were the first actual rally cars he built. Up until then, he'd just done paintwork and shell repair work. So wow. it, was, it was that, I guess it was that, that started it. And even, I've been here now, uh, sort of working here every day since 2002. Um, even then, we would have had a variety of cars. I was worried when you said earlier you'd seen some other cars. That Dad's old Audi was, <laughs> was in the building, as was my brother's A2. Both have done about 700,000 miles and should be in the skip, but <laughs> yeah. dad, dad refuses. Um, anyway, Too right. Yeah, it was, it was the Rothmans Porsche thing that started it. Wow. And was it that, in that case, once, did it get to a point then with the Rothmans Porsche that made you go, or made the business go, right, actually, this is what we're good at and this is what we focus on? Was it as organic as that or was there anything more to it? You've just suggested that there's any planning in what we do. <laughs> so I think the other thing to say is that... Um, there is very little uh, strategy in this building. There's, there's more than there ever has been. Mm. Uh, there's, people have meetings, do all sorts of stuff. I join none of them, <laughs> um, which is infuriating <laughs> for everybody. But no, there is, the, the, it, of course, naturally you, you follow things you love. Mm. And um, rallying in particular is, is, you know, we have that. We have that inside us for some reason, but um, no, the 911 is such a natural thing. And geez, a, a garage full of Mercedes sounds like a nightmare. Um, <laughs> don't forget the 911 has evolved so slowly. Yes, of course. That even someone like me can just about keep up with it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. And I, I, what's fascinating about the the origin story, if you will, is obviously the Tuthill name goes stems back to your father, of course. And it didn't start with Porsches, as I understand. It was with Beatles, right? Well, he did London, Sydney won it. <laughs> Which in, I just in, find, in 1977. I just wow. can't get my head around that. London to Sydney in a Volkswagen Beetle. Well, quick... I, I, I'm not very good at quick stories. Very quick story-ish. We were... Um, 
We won the Two Leader Cup, which is a fantastic series that we, we helped uh, initiate four or five years ago. We, we won everything this year, first, second, third, in all the categories. And, and in the last race in Estherville a couple of weeks ago, first, second, and third in, in, um, in the race overall. So the scrutiny has pulled us over, as you'd expect. And the, the suggestion was they would strip, can we remove all flywheels from the, the winning cars? first second the podium cars wow. i explained to them that was a great idea but normally you'd expect to see three different teams on the podium so i said i am not prepared to take three identical gearboxes out of cars and give you identical flywheels so um, i'm only going to do one anyway after a bit of a row which is always fun with scrutineers um we agreed that that was a perfectly reasonable thing and i said look if, if, if there's a problem with one flywheel then you know we've got 10 cars here we'll take them all out so i then set themselves a challenge. I said, right, we're going to do this properly, and we will have a flywheel in your hands within six minutes. Wow, okay. So we, we had a bit of a champagne celebration, and they were hanging around, and they were smiling by now, and then we start the stopwatch. And within six minutes, whilst being watched by three scrutineers, they had a flywheel to go and measure, which, <laughs> which was, of course, um, heavier than it should have been, which is a good thing. You can't yeah. have a light flywheel. Yes. They were saying, bloody hell, that's pretty cool. Um, I said, well, we've, we've fitted an engine in 13 minutes in, the, in a field in Kenya. That is really cool. I mean, it was about a 24-hour process, but the actual act of fitting that engine and having Stig um, check in on time to that stage was 13 minutes. That's cool. The old man can beat us all on this. On his first London to Sydney, in the Beetle, he would have left London somewhere, and on the M25, <laughs> I guess it was a much smaller road than it is now, before obviously before getting to Dover, he pulled over with an engine problem. <laughs> now he says, and I can't verify this, but let's assume he, he's not talking nonsense. There was someone there waiting for the AA to change their tyre because they had a puncture. Okay. Dad had a spare roof. Spare roof? He had a spare engine on his roof. <laughs> and he claims, and he will have done this, he fitted a spare engine on the side of the M25 on day one of a London to Sydney rally, <laughs> quicker than the AA fixed this bloke's tyre. <laughs> That's amazing. So, yes, he did the um, London to Sydney and the Beetle, and there is, there's some good pictures, some archive stuff. I don't think they... I don't think they um, Andrew Cowan won it in a Hillman Hunter. Wow. Andrew was an extraordinary man, ended up running Mitsubishi Rally Art, an incredible guy. Um, Dad claims to have basically used Andrew's shower in most of the hotels because they were so far behind the works teams that they didn't use the hotels. Gosh. And he had curtains in the Beetle, actual curtains. Really? So they should pull over, shut the curtains, go to sleep. Have anyway, no. I don't, why did we get onto that? Beetles? Beetles. Beetles, how did we go? go. Yeah. Sorry, that, <laughs> another short story. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> truly fascinating. I, the fact that he had a, an engine, possibly, you know, on the basis that you might fit it halfway, three quarters, three, I ended up fitting it before it even left the UK. Yeah, yeah. not a great start. Into the journey. I assume the engine didn't go, the, 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 the removed engine didn't go the rest of the way to that stage. Well, I wonder, it's bloody unlike him to A, throw anything away or not take it with him just in case. And, yeah. and there's, I don't know, 50 containers out the back. Uh, the, the, our testament to not throwing away anything. Gosh, full of things, engines and some things. of which are good. Yeah. Either that, or somewhere around the M25 is a yeah. flat, I'm sure. air-cooled engine. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I'm sure. In all that, there's there's a few gems that have popped out of those containers now and again, though. Yeah, it's it's um in, on our part system. It has a code which is DOS. Now you could suggest that would be Dad's old stock. <laughs> <laughs> we actually refer to it as Dad's old shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. So there is a code on our system for that. It's official. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. 
So, Richard, talk to, about those, talk to us about those formative years where you, your dad's building this thing, uh, sort of unknowingly, really, and it's be, he's becoming quite a name in the, in the space. And as a, as a young lad, you're sort of watching it all happen. How did it, did it really sit with the, you at the time? You thought, I, I fancy a bit of this, or, you know, was cars even on your register at this point? So I've got an older brother, Tommy, uh, who is 50 in a couple of weeks, uh, and a younger sister, Katie, who is... At a certain point in the year, Tommy will be 50, I'll be 49, and Katie will be 48, so we're pretty close. Mm. Poor old Tommy brought the brunt of all of this. Now, he went to the Granite City Rally as a three-year-old with two mechanics, and the Granite City Rally is somewhere in Scotland, a bloody long way away. I've mm. never been. I'm nothing against Granite City Rally. I'm sure it's an amazing rally. He was chucked in all sorts of service vans uh, with no childcare whatsoever, no doubt. Dad did a rally. Tom went all the way back to Scotland. So he was pretty pissed off with cars by probably about the age of five. <laughs> I, I can imagine that would have happened, um, yeah. He can't change his own tyre. He can't fill his car up with fuel. He's utterly useless at all of that stuff and, and probably better off for it. So that, that was him out the window. And I, I must have thought it was quite good fun. The only thing I sort of recall is whenever it was raining... We'd be out on our BMX, BMXs pretending to be rally drivers. Um, if we got new Corgi or, you know, toys, whatever, they, we would, the first thing I would do is get a hammer and smash them up and then roll them in mud and look like they'd have an accident. And I can show you, actually I will show you just for fun, my school teacher, I don't know how old I would have been, seven. It was like a motoring news rally report every, every week. All I used to do was draw pictures of cars and um, report on how how badly dad had got on on the weekend and my spelling still isn't very good but uh, I would have mentioned in one article, I'll call it an article I mentioned Voldegard, Tony Pond Malcolm Wilson, Malcolm Patrick the old man, I think Stig gets a mention so I must have been caught up in it all my sister did co-drive for me for a bit and, and organised some events so she did have a little bit in her but um, yeah I was last man standing I guess so I, here I am and just out of interest, what does your brother do now? What's his, what's his working world? He's a housemaster and on some management uh, tier at Malvern School. Right, okay. And he loves, at a certain point through the year, reminding me that from this point on, he will be on holiday more than he will be at work. Yes, yes. And I hate him for it. <laughs> I think the vast majority of us have either a relative or a close friend that works in the teaching world. Um, and we hate them all for that. Yeah. Um, Good, we can all agree on that. Yeah, yeah, hate absolutely. I mean, how hard could it be? You get 17 weeks holiday a year and you go to work from nine till three and you tick some pages. Pfft. Yeah, and the syllabus never changes. It's like copy-paste every year. Yeah, exactly. Love teachers, by the way. Yeah. Doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to kind of explore and work through some of the aspects of your business and what Tuphill does. It's difficult to know where to start, really. I think if we listed a, if we lined up 50 people and said, what does the name Tuphill mean to you? We might get 50 different answers, and some will say Africa Rally, some will say ice driving, some will say building cars, some will say working on cars. What's your go-to? If somebody says, what does your business do, very quickly, what, where do you, what's your reply? Is that well, I should have a really succinct uh Paragraph, shouldn't I, or a sentence, but I don't. Um, I, I, look, I think the basic, basic thing is it, if it involves a 9-11 mm. in, any, in any form, then we'll have a go at it. So I, th I think we can help with any single request as long as it involves 9-11. And I should add that we, we probably still restore 
and work on four or five, three, five, sixes every year. New ones and, and maintain old ones, but really has to be 9-11 focused. And, 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 and there are no boundaries. Mm. If you want to go anywhere in the world, we'll take you. I think what I love about the approach that you have with the, with the business as well is, you know, often as, you know, clearly this has scaled up to a, a fantastic level that it is now, you, you know, you ap- aptly call this the shed, but it's, it's not that at all. It's a fantastic facility. But as something grows, often the, the, the chap at the helm can sometimes become detached from what's really going on. The polar opposite to that is as I arrived this morning, you gave me a quick wave as you were heading out to go and test the car on the road. And I think that's fantastic that you are still so heavily involved in what's going on. Yeah, I am. I was testing a car that is on its way to Carlisle for the Carlisle Stages Rally. I'm doing it as well. I think we're running four cars this weekend. Um, So I am, but actually the last 18 months, two years, it is difficult to keep up. Um, quite frankly, and uh, I think all I can ever continue to do is be present and charge around, but we could have a game and work out who owns which car and what it's here for, and I, I'd probably be 95%. I don't think I'd be 100% anymore. I, I almost drive every single car that leaves here, but again, that's becoming a problem because I travel so much, and, and so testing cars remotely... Working, working from home in this business doesn't work. No, no. Not given what I do. But yeah, I, the, the point is I charge in here at 8 o'clock in the morning. And as you've seen, um, I've driven the 912 this morning, a safari car, my scooter. I've discussed suspension spring rates, alternators. Met a client who I was supposed to have spent half an hour with already and not. Uh, and here I am with you. So I just charge around every day. But I am, um, I have got an annoying habit to probably, and I think most people running businesses do have this to, just to pick up on a problem so you always turn up at the wrong wrong time mm. and that's a I refer to it as the farmer's foot which yeah. my MD hates but there's nothing like the farmer's foot if he's walking around his crops he's going to see things no one else sees mm-hmm. and, and yeah. I, I, whilst I still can do that I'm, um, I can probably still add some value yeah I absolutely get that. I should also point out, for the benefit of our dear listener, that list of things that Richard has reeled off. We started recording this podcast about 26 minutes ago. Uh, It's currently quarter to 11. So that is quite a busy morning so far. And I imagine as a result of when we eventually finish recording this, you're going to have quite a busy afternoon. Yeah, well, I had a late start and I had to deal with the electricity boards cutting some trees down. Handy. So... All part of a day's work. All part of the day's work. None of which has been planned, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, let's explore then the international aspect of what you do and um, by that I mean of course the traveling with cars the rallying the ice driving where do you want to start should we start hot weather or cold weather we go hot okay is that what you prefer I th- uh, there's very few people who would would answer otherwise and is it only relevant today well, it's relevant every day but today currently we've got um four 911s going from the east coast of South Africa to the west coast uh, on a tour, mm-hmm. so um, there's always something happening, and so and the, yeah, that look the hot weather um, thing. Africa is clearly a huge passion. Um, it's a lifetime's work, actually, mm. um, and it's probably the thing we are most famous for. Uh, there, there'll be a few other projects now that are changing that, but the reality is, at, at our core, is we take cars and do things with 911s that others haven't done as much of sure there are a lot of people doing this not on the scale and and if i can 
blow our own trumpets probably not with the same amount of success that we have so well just on that point you know that the you are that the Tuttle name is famous for safari rallies now um but what i i certainly couldn't get my head around the first time i watched those like fly on the wall documentaries that exist that you know following the journey uh, on YouTube is the scale of the operation mm. and the fact that you're not turning up there running you know one or two cars with a couple of guys there's a whole year if not slightly more heading into this project where you basically pick up everything that you have here and fly it to the other side of the world I just find that fascinating it's um <clears throat> it's terrifying to think about but mm. talking about being detached or being involved in every single thing this year for the first ever time I wasn't even here on loading day and actually, I was winding the guys up because loading day, or let's say loading month, we used to call it, I mean, geez, just, it, was, it was mental, but great. We, I remember one year we hired a security guard. And we, we, we had this thing where it always seemed to be good weather the two weeks before loading. It was bloody lucky it was because the, the, the stores department, which was our rally shop, um, is, not, is only just as big as this, a bit bigger than this room we're sitting in. So, of course, everything was outside. Mm. And the reason we had a security guard, because it was literally outside, hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of kit, yeah, wow. lying on the floor waiting to be packed. And I said to Callum, who was largely speaking responsible for everything that finally goes into the container, I mean, there's a huge team effort, and thank God I'm not involved, because they're unbelievable, and it happens, I mean, without, literally without breaking sweat. But I said to Callum this year, God, it's dull. I mean, we used to work all night. We'd have to install lights, security guards. There'd be shit everywhere. And then literally, just as the doors were closing, we would literally be looking around the yard and throwing stuff. Oh, there's a good bit of wood. We might need it. Launch it in. Now, in all honesty, and largely speaking because I'm not involved, obviously we've refined the process, and it just happens. It's a lot of work. It's a huge task. But if, I, if, if someone went from one car to 12 cars uh, in the safari rally, I don't think they'd survive. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, so it's, it's huge, but the year we did 17, which was just a sort of a, a cocktail of everybody saying yes and a, a perfect storm. I mean, A, it was a bit of a joke in terms of, are you sure we can do this? But B, we did so much planning. I mean, I even had meetings. I even went off-site so that I could concentrate. Andrew and I used to have probably a lunch, two lunches a week which was not a, you know, a Nazi lunch, like a proper <laughs> try and work out through a list lunch. Yeah, and we, was, yeah. we had to be so well planned. And with, if, we had, if we had cocked that up, everyone would have gone, well, of course you wouldn't cock up. It's an impossible task. Mm -hmm. um, so, but through that, we've learned. And, and I, I'm going to say it again. That there are an amazing bunch of people in this building making this stuff happen. Yeah. So what are the big challenges then? Let's, let's stick with uh, the safari side of things. What are the big challenges that come with that a huge event or series of events so logistical challenge is quite significant as you say have enough kit to maintain because we, we we don't rely on anything local pretty mm -hmm. much apart from some vehicles um to have that on hand ready and compete in the safari rally is a big challenge that's what i picked up on probably more than anything on on the documentary was that was the point you just made there you don't rely on anything being sourced locally you if can't you, you just don't rely on it if you haven't got it basically you haven't got it i mean we we always have someone ready to jump on a plane, um, but the ra rallies in general, the pace is so fast in terms of, you know, they don't stand still. You're not like at a racetrack for four days, so you have to have everything on hand. Mm. It, yeah, okay. On a given rally, we will identify a problem. Mm. We what was the last problem we had? 
uh, last year we had a problem with ban uh, the, the, the banjo on the bottom of the damper. So we flew out some banjos because there had been a spec mistake that hadn't been picked up and they started to fail. So logistically, it's a, a huge challenge. Um, personnel, that's becoming a bigger problem. And this year, for the first time in 10 years, we're changing our service strategy based on the amount of guys and girls who, who we can call on to operate in Kenya and Tanzania. It's, it's a special type of person. Mm. And I reckon that's the only reason the rally is every two years, because we need, we need two years to rest and forget all the memories <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then go and do it again. So personnel is, is a huge challenge. And where are you sourcing them? Because I, I, I can relate to this in a certain instance. My, my background, as you may or may not be aware, is in the world of event production and, and the requirement to do things in far-flung corners. Admittedly, nothing or very few things uh, relative to the desert has been one. But ultimately, going to cities where perhaps I don't speak the language, certainly not fluently, needing to find people... Um, and that in some cities can be very easy. If you're going to a European city, for example, it can be joyous and very, very simple. But I'm imagining that in some of the locations you're going to, trying to find a list of, say, we need 15 bodies to come and do task A, that can come with some challenges. I'm guessing there aren't many. Nice interruption there That's from there. Uh, we'll, we'll just enjoy that for a moment. Um, might be my rally car starting up with a new alternator. Um, but yeah, so finding, sourcing 15 people to come and do a job somewhere in the middle of Tanzania, how does that work? Well, we, we essentially take everyone with us. So right. they come from all over the world, and it's become a little bit of a reunion. Um, <clears throat> so every two years, it's like, come on, lads, ladies, uh, we're going to meet in Mombasa, aren't we? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, only, the problem with that is we're all getting older. <laughs> so the technicians who ran the cars when we started in 2003, they're clearly um, not as active or as fit as they were. And in, sure. in, in fact, some of them, you just, I wouldn't take them to Africa for fear of their um, survival rates. But, <laughs> their own well-being. Um, no, look, the, the other thing to say is wherever we go, we have a, our local fixer. Great, yeah. And you have to. The, val the value in the local fixer is beyond yeah. anything else that you can do. The most extreme case, I organized a private trip from Cairo to Cape Town, and we met at every border, and there were many. Yeah. We met... The guy who was with us in the one country handed us over to the guy who took us across the border. He was the guy for the next country. So wherever you go, you've got to have a man or a woman, and you've got to be able to call someone to get you out of the shit yeah. because that's one thing that happens every single day in Kenya. Something goes, um, goes. I'm not going to say it goes wrong. Something happens that cannot be ever planned. Sure. And at that point, Completely. you need to have a whole load of good phone numbers. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, that's again. That's probably the, there's a, Andrew, who's our ops director and worked here forever. His dad worked for my father before. We wander around in this management vehicle at about 150 miles an hour. Um, and one thing that we are extremely good at is ship fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if it needs to be done quickly, and if it means driving eight hours, if it means chartering a plane, if it means you jump on the back of a motorbike, that's what Dad did last year to try and help Ken Block. Um, we do it. Mm. And that's a specific skill because a lot of people just get overloaded and they can't. That's right. But, yeah. but we have a team of guys every day here and there is no, there is no cannot in the mentality in this building. No, I think that's so clear. And when you see, certainly, you know, as you're saying, in, in, uh, in Safari, anything can happen and some of the cars do take, you know, there's the usual bit of a bash they have and then sometimes it's a full-on oh right this has been a really big accident but it's not a case of oh well boys you know load it on the truck it's like right how are we going to get this to the end mm. yeah and i think that mentality so you know take eight cars to us to it or ten or however many it is 
you know, obviously, wow, a lot of race cars to run. Okay, yeah, there is, but um, within reason. Mm -hmm. We are in a very civilized place, stood still for four, four days or whatever. So it's a mentality that runs through our DNA, and you have to be a certain type of person to be able to cope with that in Africa. Absolutely. And thankfully, we are yeah. surrounded by them. I think that, and the best people, from my experience of the world of events, the best people are those firefighters, or, or as you affectionately call it, shit fighters. Nice yeah. expression, I might steal that. <coughs> but I used to, always used to work on the basis of, if you want to work in this industry, you have to be a firefighter. And ultimately, you have to be at your best when firefighting. Yeah. If you're, um, sat, if you're somebody that struggles to sit still and, and everything's a bit kind of slow and boring and you want to work in the events world, then it's possibly the best career choice you could ever make, especially if it's always about to go wrong. Because yeah. if you've got things to fix, and that's when I operate at best, if I've got things to fix and everything's going wrong, I'm firing on all six. Yeah. Whereas if it's all a bit slow and a bit predictable and everything's just fine, I kind of get a bit distracted and Instagram gets opened up and I disappear. <laughs> then you're in trouble. The world. Yeah, big trouble. <laughs> On that basis, talk to us about, a, a, you know, a real, of the safaris you've done, talk to us about a real oh shit moment where it was a, it was a potential, Christ boys, we've got a bit of a job on our hands here. Uh, the Stig engine was a, a cool one, but leading up to that, I say cool, because honestly it was a highlight of the rally. I mean, it was a 16-hour battle to, to perform well in 13 minutes. But I think the day before, it was like day two or maybe even day one, and we have a wonderful bunch of Swedes who come with us. Team Tito Race for Health and they distribute um, second-hand glasses all around the villages. So they have ophthalmologists and they go into the villages and do eye tests and make, make it easier for people to read and write wow. and see. So they're cool guys. But they often bring people who are, let's say, uh, less experienced than others. <laughs> so you, they'll be, in the past they've been led by Bjorn Valdegard, Stig Longquist, some professional touring guys. Uh, touring car drivers. Anyway, I think day one, we were near um, Tighter Hills Lodge, which is just uh, off the main uh, Mombasa Nairobi road, Voy. Um, look it up, it's a glorious place. Um, and one car came in and, and it had had a massive accident. The guys were fine, but it was pointing in all sorts of odd directions. Then, literally six minutes later, his teammate come, came in looking a whole load worse. And I think missing a wheel. <laughs> it was something extraordinary. And Andrew and I, so that, to, just a bit of backdrop, it takes two or three days to settle down in this fire rally. Because yeah. we've all come from all over the world. And we've been there for probably a week or two, testing and getting generally acclimatised. But the first few days is to get up to speed, understand... The, the timing of the rally, the roadbook, and, and the service routes are different every year, clearly, and we've got to make calculations the whole time on the, on the go to work out where we've got to be when. We've become very good at it, but um, it takes a few days. And honestly, we were stood there, and I looked at Andrew and said, shit, I'm not ready for this. Wow. I mean, I just think, literally at that point, you, the, the natural reaction is we need to go home mm. now and, <laughs> and just, you know, just run away. And like, anyway, of course then it's bloody brilliant and you just fire stuff at these cars and all of a sudden 20 minutes later they they, they might not look beautiful but they're usually pointing in the right direction and they're performing and then you make a plan to recover the car over the next couple of services or the next evening and again the evening service is a two hour two hour timed thing so on the road it happens in rally time so any minute you take servicing is a minute you've lost on your road section and the timing suits so if you, if you need an hour, okay, 
you're going to have to break every single rule in the, in the Kenyan traffic law book, if there is one, uh, to get to the next service. But in the evening, it's two hours. And we work harder than any other team. And so if you're in our service area at night, you'd be like, okay, what, what on earth is going on here? But the reality is we work much harder. We keep small problems small. Whereas other teams are like, oh, okay, car's great. Give it a wash and maybe kick the tires. We're into everything. Um, and we leave no stone unturned. And that's one of the reasons we, we continue to be reasonably successful. But um, they are shocking at times. And again, the first two or three in the first few days of the rally, it's just like, oh, my God, I remember this. <laughs> but then by day five, day six, the, the thing is just like clockwork. Yeah. Drivers have settled down, the cars have settled down, the team settled down, and it's, um, it's quite calm at times. Yeah. It's always that, that first shock of the stuff that needs to get sorted is always the worst, but then by the end of the week or midweek or however long the, the event is, it does kind of get to a bit of a, okay, what's happening now then? What, yeah. what could it be now that needs yeah. to be sorted? So let's go polar opposite then, pun slightly intended, to the, the cold stuff, which yeah. I think is the other big thing that you're known for and the organisation is known for, and the ice driving. Now, you actually mentioned before, and I'll, I'll be interested to see what Miles' reaction is on this as well. You said, I can't think of anyone that would choose anything other than the hot weather over the cold weather. I, for me, I actually think I'd prefer the cold. Miles and I, it's worth pointing out, many people have heard this story a thousand times before if you're regular listeners to the podcast, but Miles and I met on a frozen lake uh -huh. in Sweden. That's where we met essentially dicking about with cars on a frozen lake. Yeah. Um, so for us, it holds a very special, um, and not just because it's where we met, but because we made a career out of that as well, well yeah. of dicking about on frozen lakes. I, 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 it's something I talk about religiously, is if everyone, you know, I've been so lucky to do it from, you know, from a young age, 10 years or so, and um, I would say that everything, I lend every bit of my ability Whatever, however, however that's categorised now, to learning how to drive on low mu services yeah. at a very at a young age, um, you. I don't think there's anything you can do to replicate and accelerate your skill you than driving on a frozen lake because you've got you've got no grip to play with other than what you can can generate. Um, the speeds are quite low anyway, so the risk's fairly low. But when you eventually come to tarmac or gravel or something like that. It's like you've got this whole world of grip to play with, you know. Yeah, yeah it can trick you that, actually. But I think, um, so the, the business between, that's, that's the two, two polar opposites, if you already said it, safari, Africa, and, and Sweden, frozen lakes, or, or frozen forest tracks. Um, it, it, a lot of it comes back to driving. Okay, so the, the reason we're there is because the driving's great. Um, Driving a car in Africa is a huge privilege because you get, you get long views of the road, uh, the color of the, the dirt, all of that stuff, the smells, the scenery, everything. So, so that's, it's difficult to, to, it would be difficult for me to tell you which is best. It's either that or, and lakes to one side, a 20 kilometer Swedish rally stage. Sure. So um, the Sweden thing, just as you said, came out of, uh, I did the Swedish WRC rally in 99, I think. And I got some support from a guy called Steiner Mikkelsen, who is Andreas Mikkelsen's dad. Andreas uh, is one of the fastest rally drivers currently in the world. Uh, needs to be in a, a world rally car. He's in a WRC two car at the moment. Um, 
And his dad was Norwegian rally champion. He was one of our first clients, bought a two-liter car. And when, I, when, when he said he'd help me with this, the Swedish rally, I went and spent a New Year's, uh, sort of New Year's period with them in Yalo. And I spent a couple of days with him in a Porsche 911. And another guy, I sort of forgotten his name, is probably called Anders. Let's just say he was called Anders. <laughs> and he was a current Anders Swedish, Lars, something. Ra- something like that, rally champion in a Seat front-wheel drive F2 car. So I spent a couple of days with them. Uh, then I did the Swedish rally, uh, and uh, I was, you know, absolutely destroyed by locals for the first three days of the rally. And by the end of it, uh, it my performance was was pretty good. I was I was closing in on a respectable position in in life. But I learned more in the training days and the rally about driving than perhaps I'd ever learned. Yeah. So when I got involved in um, this lot. The first thing I did is, well, we need to teach these guys how to drive. And as much, we're testing in Wales today. Currently, there's a safari car having a shakedown and some driver testing there going on. Um, you can go round and round a Welsh forest. You can go round and round Silverstone. Um, you can do all sorts of things. But if you spend time on an ice lake, you have very constant grip, even if it's minimal at times, uh, although it does change with temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have an environment in which you can make mistakes, mm-hmm. and then you can giggle and you can laugh, uh, and then you can have another go. Yeah. So less for, the, the forests are less forgiving, obviously. So that's where that came from. Mm. And I, I rang up a few clients, said, and I think it started with, I took three cars and I was out there for a week. And then one thing led to another. One particular year, I sort of must have called a few people a bit early. The next time, oh, shit, there's quite a few people in, involved in this, and I got someone in, a, a guy called Tim, a good mate of mine, and um, uh, he ran it as a business. And then now, yeah, eight cars every single day for two and a half months. It's great. It's quite a thing. It's incredible. It is. Yeah. And it's still, it's still the, the day you drive on snow, the day you get to the lake every year, and I think I'm 17 years in now to ice driving, is still a very, very special day in your life. Oh, it's, I, it's I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I used to say to the clients that I used to take out with groups, and I think I, was, I think I got to 10 years, it was pandemic that brought it all to an end. So I think I was nine or 10 years uh, consecutively taking clients out. And the thing that I always used to say, I used to love it when people would phone up and say, I've seen you do the ice driving thing, what can I expect? And you, you obviously filter through driving experience and things like that, because of course everyone, a lot of people assume you have to be a very accomplished driver to do it, but you don't. And I used to say, the, my go-to line that would almost always sell the experience was, you will spend two solid days driving on the ice and you will go home with two things, I guarantee. The first thing is you will go home a better driver, regardless of your skill. If you are an ARDS grade S instructor that gives out race licenses after two days on the ice, you will go back better in the same way that if you've only ever driven the same car every day, three days a week, you will go home a better driver after two days on the ice. The other thing you will go home with is an aching jaw because of the amount you have been laughing and smiling. <laughs> it and it time. is so true. And I used to have the conversation with the clients. They'd fly back to the UK from the airport. We'd take them all the way back to the airport and they'd all say the same thing. You were so right. My jaw is aching because I've been laughing and smiling so much. Yeah, it's a hell of a thing. I, 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 have, I have a distinct memory from... I remember going out. I'd, I'd been going for a few years um and then uh, again a few friends wanted to come i said come on you know let's let's go and have a let's go and have a few days at it they're like oh do you want to go for you know like two weeks i was like you can't handle two weeks I was like, no way. you can't do two weeks is it just do a few days that'll be absolutely fine and they're thinking oh you've got all these kind of crazy cars that you want to that we want to go out and i said no it wants to be the biggest pile of shit we can find that yeah. you know it doesn't want to be anything special uh, okay 
so we are, we just got a normal hire car from the <laughs> I hope I hope the rental company isn't listening um, and it was a Volkswagen Polo but front wheel drive front wheel drive so as you can imagine nothing um, nothing particularly special and you couldn't turn uh, ESP off or anything like that so typical Swedish style we got to the garage and the the guy who was uh, like sort of head mechanic just leaned in and went yeah cool just pulled the main fuse fuse yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say no, no ABS, I'm trying hard no traction pull. Pull. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, so everything was gone then speedo no ABS yeah, no nothing it. I thought okay well this is a good way to learn for the guys and me and in the two days I'd say two days like you say front wheel drive maybe not the first choice but the first two days of hacking around in that learning how to left foot brake and looking mm-hmm. for the grip doing it in not in race boots either in like you know off road boots if you will yeah, yeah. the finesse that it taught the feet and everything like that god they just came away me included just a whole new appreciation for what you can do and there's the grip and speed you could extract from what's seemingly nothing there there's no grip there no well it's about millimeters of throttle control and steering inputs and um my my perhaps favorite line is actually forget the cars just to spend one day on a lake with no cars uh, if the weather's if the weather's kind to you which it more often than uh, not is is a privilege because it's such an incredible environment to, yeah. to find yourself in and and you know most of the world will never experience it so we're we're extraordinarily lucky and and I think all of this stuff we can chat about today it, it, it actually all comes back to experiences mm. because they're the things that you will however bad your memory is as I've already explained mine's awful <laughs> uh, you will you will recall them and that's more valuable than anything else in life, I think. Yeah, too right. So uh, uh, um, what I'm going to do is, uh, it looks like John's going to go to an advert break. <coughs> Correct. But what I am going to do is, uh, following the advert break, is embarrass Richard a little bit and dig into his, um, his very humble opinion of his own driving skill. Oh, shit. Oh, it's, taken, it's taken a bit of a hit recently, that... so go steady on me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we did say before we started recording. Now, the last time we spoke to you, we were about to get into your car at Goodwood Revival and something happened. Are you okay to mention it? And you gave us the green light, so we will. So, yes, let's cut to an advert break. We're going to come back, talk about that. But also, uh, we'd be lunatics if we went away from this place without talking about some of the recent builds and one in particular that happens to be gold. So uh, bear with us, dear listener. We'll be back after this short break. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Driven Chat Podcast. And we're back in the room. And we actually had a legitimate break, which is always quite nice, because sometimes we do, sometimes well, we, we don't. We did. Richard actually has a job to do, so he had to go around and, you know, scoot around a bit. Do you want to know what, actually what I did? Go on. So I went to check on the alternator, which had a problem with last night, and then I rushed up to the house, 
and I put a load of washing in the tumble dryer <laughs> and I put a little bit more on a quick wash, 40 minutes, which, by the way, is not quick. Where we go to, on holiday in Wales, we've got a little flat there. There's a quick wash that is 14 minutes. Cool. I mean, it's game-changing. Yeah. Love that. Anyway, two loads of washing safely on. Well done. Ready, ready for the next Anyone task. that was listening that was worried about Richard's laundry, you can now rest yourself, okay? Absolutely. Calm down, all right? Yeah, it's all good. It's under control. <laughs> yeah. The value of a quick wash. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, uh, as interesting as that is, Richard, I want to steer your attention back towards cars just for a moment. Um, before we left for the break, now... I wanted to pick up on this just a little bit because we've answered some very important questions. Why you go to Kenya? Why you, go, why you do safari? Why you do ice driving? Etc. Etc. But there's certainly a question I wanted to ask, which is, why are you so good? Ooh. Oh, wow. I, That's I didn't so see that. Kind of you. There's, very, <laughs> there's very few people who would agree with that comment. And, and actually... But this is the thing. You, you, are, a, you are a hideously humble gentleman and I, I, I won't... I, I'll embarrass myself sitting here and say that I was very, very excited to come and be here and meet you. But there's something that doesn't get talked about very often, which is your particular skill behind the wheel. And I'm just interested to know where that comes from and how, how it's become such a thing. And so your input on the cars equally has become such an important part of the brand. Well, I think, look, uh, again, growing up here, I was driving when I was seven. I rolled my car my first car. And by the way, by the way, just let's just be very clear. I have not had a lot of accidents in my life. The last <laughs> couple of months haven't been great, but so I just want to put that out there. The first accident I ever had, uh, first time I ended up on my roof, was 50 meters away in a, in a cornfield that had just been um, harvested, so it was stubble. Uh, uh, my sister was co-driving. I was eight. Uh, and my cousin was in the back. Oh, gosh. And we ended up rolling a beetle, which was relatively easy to do. So um, I have been driving a long time. I've had a few scrapes within uh, yeah, 100 metres of this building because I used to sort of... Be, I had a, an uncanny knack of being able to get stuff to start. So as long as I was... <laughs> whatever age, as long as I had a jump battery, I reckon I could get most things to start. And um, so I've done a bit of driving. And a long time ago, a very long time ago, I was... I was, I was very good. I'm, I'm going to say I was very good. Um, and uh, I did quite a lot of driving. Uh, firstly, funny enough, in, in a, in a front-wheel drive Vauxhall Nova where I won the British Junior Championship or whatever it was, or 1300 Junior Championship, um, Colin McRae started in a, in a Nova, so it can't be too bad. Or did he start in a Sunbeam? Either way. Um, Novas were amazing, and I was a bit worried about front-wheel drive, but they are awesome. Um, so, so and then I drove a Civic, which was a cool thing. Then I drove a, a Porsche because I didn't have anything else to do. Then I drove some Subarus. And in America, I drove Mitsubishis and then a Hyundai. So I did quite a lot of driving. Um, and yet, I was pretty good. These days, I am probably um, eternally frustrated. I, I'm not as good as I was. Mm. I can still drive reasonably well, uh, but I'd like to be better. But the reality is I have two problems. Firstly, I have, sorry, let me clarify that. I have lots of problems. Um, <laughs> firstly, um, I'm a bit older than I was. Yeah. I don't drive as much as I used to. Uh, my eyesight is probably not what it once was. Um, and, and my head is full of everything other than concentrating on driving. Mm -hmm. So um, I had a little, little moment in Epint. Uh, 
a month ago, two months ago, where I ended up coming to, coming to blows with a rock which ripped the rear wheel off. Um, and that was just, yeah, right speed, wrong corner, mm. talent issue. Um, we had on that, on that corner, we had a double caution, I think, and slippy. I had everything going for me, but I was trying too hard, I suspect. And that is one of the problems with driving. If you're not driving regularly and you, and you want to keep pushing, then you, try, you probably try a bit hard. But I love driving. Um, and I'm, I'm rallying this weekend in preparation for Roger Albert Clark rally, which is a five-day, I don't know why anyone wants to do it, rally in the north of England and Wales in November. Um, I, think, I think that Chris Harris spent the night in his Ford Escort last year because they all got, two years ago, because they all got snowed in, didn't they? Oh, I remember that. A, yes, pub, a pub opened its doors and rescued a load of them. Yeah. So, I mean, God knows why we're going, but we are, and it's, that's Ryan's fault, because he won, so I thought, well, okay, maybe I should get back behind the wheel of a rally car, which, by the way, is a perfect excuse. It's been 10 years since I did some driving. Mm. So this year, for the first time in 10 years, I've decided I ought to be able to win rallies again. Good for and you. And thank God I did win one, because without that... Um, uh, it would be an absolute shambles, and I should probably, like, like I was saying about Instagram, I should just give up. Well, yeah, well, that's, and I think that's a very normal trait. I think a lot of people would have done exactly that. You, once you start getting that mentality in of, well, maybe I'm not as good as I once was. And, of course, it's a, it's a sad truth that we all, as we get older, there are certain things that we were once very good at that we are not so good at. This goes into multiple facets of our <laughs> We life, won't go so. down that. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. a terrible... Going, line of conversation. Going straight, steady, steady. Whatever could you be talking order, about? Order, order. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, and I guess if you then go through with, let's use driving as an example for, to be safe, uh, and you realise, oh, you make a couple of mistakes, maybe something goes wrong, you have a little incident, you don't finish, and you think, oh, maybe I was right. Maybe, maybe that is it. And it can be enough to just make you go, right, that's it. Hang up the gloves, hang up the, the helmet, no more. I'm, I'm, close to, uh, I'm close to that. And I probably said to myself, I will stop rallying um, at the end of RAC. I mean, for the time being. A, I'm really, really busy. And, and I will go to this weekend's event and, and I, I will not have done any preparation. Mm. Story of my life. And I will go and try and wing it. And I know I can drive reasonably well, and I know I'm in a great car. The problem is when I'm in a 911, I, you know, if I can't win in a 911, it's not great advert. So I can't just go out there and have a laugh, and, and it's not in my nature. And, and um, so I will continue to push like hell in everything I do in life. So that's, that's guaranteed. I'm not going to finish second. No. Um, there's certain Chris Meek and a whole host of other people I've got to try and beat this weekend, and on paper I should not be trying to do that but I'll have a go and I'll have some fun and, and I, I'm not worried about um, the minor incident that was that was Goodwood <laughs> nor the uh, off I had at Epin two weeks before you you know you move on and, and I can I can quantify them and I can understand why they happened and then I can start again with a clean um, clean sheet but I will be very keen to get to the end of this rally this weekend without any dramas it's an it's an interesting point you make and I um, yeah, we we were we we spoke to you just before you were driving at Goodwood. In which car was it? Um, thankfully, it was mine. Your car. So I would never do that in a clutch car. Just a, another yeah. disclaimer. It was my. It was. I think it was one of the first rally cars we ever ever built. Actually. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Of course. A yeah, beautiful looking thing. Um, obviously, had a bit of a spill there, but never mind. Never mind any of that. Um, what seems to be what seems to be your way is quite a distinction towards rally, you know, and not towards circuit driving or anything like that. And I, I, I'm keen to know 
why you've dabbled in it in the last few years and what and is there anything you've gone oh yeah actually maybe you're not or, or no I just want to stick with rallying um so the up until quite, you know, quite recent, relative to the, to the length, length of time the business has been running, we haven't done a lot of racing. And now we're doing more racing and rallying, essentially, because these rallies are few and far between and, and tend to be big adventure rallies. Racing, as we all know, is um, you know, quite regular. So we are doing a lot more uh, racing. Um, and, and we have caused a bit of a stir because we're rally boys and we've turned up and, oh, okay, he's not bad at racing as well. So that, that worked. But the, the driving thing, um, there's no doubt that racing, ice driving, rallying, they're all the same. They are all the same. And there are, there are little nuances in, in all disciplines. So the race thing was as a result of, bearing in mind I've done a lot of race testing. Mm. And I say race testing, that's me setting up cars. Not necessarily setting fastest times because I don't think I'm capable of it. But I can tell you what's happening with the car, why it's happening, uh, and then I can lead engineers and, and proper race drivers down a, a, ro a, a, road, a road to success. And, and again, I, we have lots of test drivers driving our cars and racetracks, and all I can do is just assist. And, and, and if they give me a car, I say, okay, that's easy to drive, harder to drive, whatever. So I was really interested to understand racing, because quite frankly, I've always questioned, really, what this racing thing's all about. But I can now categorically say, sort of three years in now, um, or four, whatever, and having done only a handful of races, mainly three-hour endurance stuff in two-litre cars, uh, and, and a couple of outings in a Cobra, thanks to Mr. Richard Cook, mm -hmm. um, I, it, it, has, it adds huge value to you as a rally driver. I've learned more about carrying speed than I ever thought I could learn. And actually, if you see modern generation WRC drivers, they are now racing drivers. Mm -hmm. They are not the Colin McRae's uh, that we, we all love because the cars have, A, they've got aero, but B, it's all about efficiency. And in the old days, it was all about late braking, um, throw it at a corner and hope that hell you get through to the other side. So there was a generational change and, and, and you see it in sport. Um, Sebastian Lobb was a, a moment where rallying changed. Kelly Rovenpera now, he's just changed the rule book mm -hmm. because of his driving style. So my my interest in racing has grown and grown and actually I really enjoy it now um, I wish I was better at it but I've also had to genuinely say to myself I haven't got the time to apply myself so I've no doubt <laughs> I've no doubt this will be this will be a great quote I've no doubt that I can I can be anyone anywhere and genuinely um, the only bloke I know who might say that about Francois Delagorn, he's nearly 60 and he still thinks he could win the World Rally Championship. <laughs> I don't think I can win the World Rally Championship. <laughs> I don't think I can, I can beat um, Max Verstappen. But I think I can get to a bloody good level as a racing driver. But in order to do that, like everything in life, you have to spend time. I don't have the time. So I am very happy where I am and enjoying my driving. Rallying, yes, um, I still think I can, I can beat most people on a British Championship rally or... or Definitely a historic rally. Uh, can I beat Chris Meek this weekend? I doubt it. Can I beat Oliver Solberg and Chris Meek uh, in the RAC rally? Well, I shouldn't be able to. Um, and can I beat every other bugger who's going to turn up in a Ford Escort or Mr. <laughs> Perez who promises me he'll be in his Stratos? No, I, I probably shouldn't be able to beat them, but I'm going to have a good go. And, and I am armed with the finest rally car that has ever been made, which is, of course, a Porsche 911. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm starting, I'm starting in a much better position than any of these other poor buggers in these inferior cars. 
jalopies, these jalopies turning up on... The 911 is a staggering rally car. Yeah. Just independent rear suspension and three-litre engine. Yeah. And, and the unique skill about driving 911, which is really where I'm at, um, is so intellectually, intellectually stimulating mm. that you never get tired of it mm. because it asks you a question every single corner. Yeah. And you have to answer it bloody quickly, otherwise you are really are a passenger. So how does that does that help then with the you know we joked or, or discussed casually about the ADD or ADHD <laughs> possibility at the beginning of this conversation, and you've mentioned a few times throughout us talking about the fact that if you find it very difficult to focus on one thing at a time, does driving mute that temporarily? I speak to a lot of people, especially motorcycle racers. And, you know, I, ride, I don't know if you ride a motorcycle. No, God, no, no way. Okay, so I, so I do, and for me, that's one of the very few times where I get absolute pure silence in my own mind Correct. is when riding a motorcycle because at the, the point of riding it, and if you are cracking on a bit, your priority is not dying. Yeah, yeah. Don't fall off, don't die. What's the surface looking like? Is that manhole going to send me off? Is that cow pat? What's that car doing? Why is that car so close behind me? All of these things play into your head. So you focus primarily at that point of just staying alive. And that's wonderful because for me, I think a bit like yourself, Richard, I have a bit of a chaotic mind where I just run away with things. If, if things get a bit too quiet, I, I get very easily distracted. When you're in the 911s, does that help? Does that mute that? Yeah, absolutely. It took me a very long time to work out why clients find what we do so wonderful. And it's, you know, <clears throat> we're surrounded by technology, phones, bloody Instagram and all that crap. Mm. Um, the minute you get into a racing car, a rally car, and you shut the door, there is only one mission in life. And you don't, in theory, and I'm going to qualify this in a moment, you, you don't think about anything else. And it's really pure. So I often say the most relaxed you'll ever find me is behind the wheel of a 911 yeah. on, a, on a special stage somewhere. Um, the, of late and don't tell Stefan this who is he's, he's the second most experienced co-driver in the world now in terms of WRC rallies uh, um, Yari Matti's co-driver ended up doing more which is 200 and something but um, whilst winning the Plains Rally early in the year on a long straight quite often I would find my mind wandering mm. and it was almost like I needed to reach my phone and write one of my endless bloody job lists so it no longer does it offer me that that silence because I'm very busy uh, and that is a problem in itself so um, I still would maintain that this is the most relaxed you'll ever find me and it's just as you say you're very focused and it's lovely and it's peaceful and you you're not whatsapping and you're not doing whatever you're doing um, but it, and it but it also presents a real challenge and uh, again going into a stage we won the rally by two seconds, I think, going into the last stage neck and neck with a guy called Marty McCormack in an escort um, who I rallied against in 2008 and um, is a fantastic bloke. To come out two seconds up after a day's rallying, it's a difficult, a difficult um, feeling to, um, to beat. So there's that, there's that competition element which focuses the mind. And um, you really just got to remember that it's not going to change our lives. Mm -hmm. So we've got to try hard, but we've got to enjoy it. And... and um, yeah, I'm not, as I said, I'm not going to go anywhere and just wander around. I'm going to try like hell. And, and when you try like hell, you're going to trip yourselves up occasionally. Mm. So it's, it's part of the game. Yeah. Speaking of trying like hell, um, there's, there's a rather fa now famous video going around of you hacking around in your latest uh, brainchild with Mr. Harris. 
Uh, and it's quite a spectacular video because the car doesn't appear to be going in a straight line at any point in time. <laughs> and it also looks like you're having a whale of a time and Mr. Harris is not. Um, I love that approach that you have with the car. It just seems to be a bit of a do or die. Yeah, so funnily enough, that um, so very briefly on that car, um, which has become reasonably well known. Yeah. Um, it was a project that I did with a great mate, um, Philip Godori, uh, who, between the two of us, we dreamt up what, we, what we've all been watching um, over the course of a couple of years, started in lockdown. So um, it's been great to do it with him, and, it's, and, and what, we've, what we've ended up producing as a team here uh, is quite, quite special. Um, it, really is, it really is quite something. That day driving with Chris, uh, and I think it's fairly well known, I was at uni with Chris, so when he was making tea on his university holidays at, at Autocar, I was doing the British Junior Rally Championship. And um, so we've, we've got a bit of history. Uh, but that day, the, the, the funny problem with that car is it's actually got quite a lot of traction. Yes. So to unstick it on a, on a road that has um, grip is, is something, you know, you have to work at it. It, won't, it doesn't just go sideways. So yes... We were absolutely um, making it go sideways, <laughs> and as I think as Chris very nicely described earlier in the in the video, was he was sort of suggesting that it was a drive, you know, get your shoulders and and work at it, mm -hmm. and it is, and you've got a manual gear change, and you've got this engine that's quite extraordinary, um, but dynamically, it's an extraordinary road car. Uh, it, it's still an early 911, so it's still got all those wonderful characteristics. But that that video makes it look a bit like hard work. <laughs> and I, I think, in fact, I think we stopped and we went and had a cup of tea. We genuinely did. And yeah, I was probably puffing a little bit. But look, we were just pushing on and just being hooligans. So um, again, I don't want to drive around a track or, or anything um, in any, you know, I want to, I want to have a play. Yeah. I want to see, see what we can do. And, and that car does allow, allow you to do that because it's, it's, um, it's a proper car. It, it, um, it will do things that uh, cars do. Well, you have to do that as well, otherwise your mind will start wandering. And you get well, there is that. And the, the other things that we can, we can have traction control, and we can have ABS, and we can have all sorts of wonderful things. But we'll all agree, I'm sure, that driving modern supercars um, is... Uh, by the way, it's still wonderful. I, I, they're great things. But in terms of actual interaction, actual let's do some work and yeah. let's just push a little bit, you're a brave guy who will exploit the limits of one of those cars. Mm. Um, and honestly, we see all these glorious shots, um, Mr. Harris being very, very good at these glorious shots, but relatively speaking, they're in very controlled environments. The speed is often quite low, uh, and, and um, whilst it takes a whole level of skill, it's quite specific. You can't jump in one of those cars and do that on the main road, no. nor should you. No, it's, it's so true because you, so you, you're going to be doing 200, going yeah. sideways at 200 miles an hour yeah. into a we talk, we talk yeah. about it quite a lot. I actually yeah. get very, very little enjoyment about driving the latest and greatest supercar for yeah. that reason because the job I have to do as the driver is far less now than what it is driving something like a, mm. a 911 or, yeah. you know, an, a, an older BMW, something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't get the same level of enjoyment. And equally, as you say, in order to actually get it moving around, you just haven't got the room to do it. You know, you're going to get yourself in a right old mess. Yeah, you are. And you, yes, no, you are. Full stop. Yeah. Well, I think it's important that we talk about the gold car 
the 911K and the fact that this is a real marvel. Um, it would be a bit remiss just to focus on that and almost talk about it as if it's the only thing you've created, because it's not. You know, the, the, the company has been making wonderful things and, and uh, modifying wonderful things. In fact, before we actually get onto that, I know that there are two words that you you have a, a, a particular disdain for. Um, Shit. One of, <laughs> and our credit goes to Laura for this, who reminded me of this before we started recording. Um, the words backdate and resto mod. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're widely used, and I um, obviously I understand what backdate mo means and resto mod is, whatever resto mod is. Yeah. Um, I think we're lucky in the fact that we work on 911s. So um, because the evolutions I mentioned earlier is, is so progressive over how many years is it now? Lots. 50? 50, 60? 60, 60, 60 years. Um, my retention knowledge, <laughs> there you go. I have no idea, but a long time. Um, it means that what you do with 911, I think, is completely different to what you might do with other cars. So I don't necessarily, um, I don't particularly like those words. Um, but, but actually, it's very, I don't necessarily like defining anything particularly. What was interesting with the 911K is we gave it a name, mm. and that's a real learning experience because it's referred to as the 911k or the k or whatever mm -hmm. it is obviously we all call it the gold car in fact on the handbrake can i swear properly swear or not really yeah you can go for edit it. it we'll beep it so on on the, on the handbrake it's got um t f g c t t f g c and that stands for that in gold car <laughs> because with every project you do in your life whether it's you're restoring a house or building a car yeah there is a moment where that thing is really, really causing you a lot of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we started calling it that, and Philip kindly allowed us to pop that on the handbrake. But um, giving something a name is clearly excellent. And, and, and if you look at what we've done in the last 20 years, let's say, we've done some amazing things. Um, the the off-road car we built uh, with Singer was an extraordinary thing. Uh, we're building some amazing backdates. We're making 993s look like SCRSs, um, and 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 that's a great road car. So there is loads, there's loads of brilliant stuff out there. The the the, the gold car, the 911K, has, for fairly obvious reasons, captured the imagination of a lot of people, mm. um, and so it should. Absolutely, actually. it's yeah. it's not a bad old thing. Yeah. Um, and you can't compare it to anything else, nor would I want to. No, I think. The thing that staggered me most, I was very lucky actually. I, I came here at the point that it had, the body had just been completed. And I think it had just been painted. I was here with a group from Supercar Driver. Yeah. And it was there in the corner. I think you politely asked most people, can you not take photos of that one? And of course, everyone's wandering around with Instagram live on their phones. It's just a nightmare <laughs> and stuff like this. But I remember looking at the car and it was one of the engineers downstairs got talking to them and they said, just open the door. And I opened the door to, to discover it was essentially like pulling a piece of paper from one side of a table to another. It was just nothing to it. And they, I don't know if at that point the, the final weight had been calculated. It was we're hoping for, and the figure was thrown around, and I think it was something around 800 kilos. We're hoping for something around that. And then, of course, now I know the car is finished. So it was a real privilege seeing it in that stripped-back state. I say stripped-back, that's not quite fair, in that still under construction state because it hadn't been stripped at all it was just being built and hearing that aspiration we now know the car is 800 and 850 ready to go fuel everything which is amazing it's pretty good yeah but the even more incredible thing is the fact that it could in theory be quite a lot lighter i got i got told off for saying this and ah. apparently apparently 
It's a really bad thing, but again, you can always do... So once you've got something, you can always review it and you can always do something different, better. You can change a few things. Um, so you can make 9-11s lighter. And, and there are lighter 9-11s. So what we didn't do is set out to build the lightest 9-11 ever. Mm. Uh, because I think once you go cert past a certain point, then there's some structural integrity you probably have to be aware of. And there's a dose of sort of reality. And, and already at 850 kilos, um, you know, I could chuck a magnesium engine in it. That would, that would lighten it up. But already at 850 kilos, you have to, uh, you have to ensure there is no stiction in all the joints, for example, because there's not enough weight to start to allow the car to articulate. Mm. During our damper testing, um, all done locally, as you might imagine, um, we, we, couldn't get the, we couldn't get the damper to work. And ultimately, you've got to get rid of all the stiction, which is, look, it's old news um, in race cars and, in, in, in fact, modified road cars. That's not, not news to anyone, but in a 911... In that car, it was particularly apparent. So once we fixed that, the dampers could start working, you could start to get some articulation in the car. Um, so of course, you can go lighter. The question is, would you want to? What's the point? Sure. And the, the great thing about all of this is naturally, someone's gonna do something different, better, I don't know. That will happen, but that shouldn't worry any of us. We're just doing great things, producing great cars and having a lot of fun with it. So. Uh, that comes back to let's not worry too much about what everyone else is doing. Let's just do what we can do. Yeah, no, very good point. That's spot on. Yeah, and uh, and again on that point, I think where your um, where your personal interests lie, I think translate into translate into a good road car because as as you know, there's always compromises to be made. Yeah, it could be the fast. You can make a car to be the fastest thing on track or whatever. But the reality is, we with these kinds of cars. You wanted to have some good fun driving them on the road. It wants to be an engaging road experience, and I think that's where your that's where your input really comes in, is because you understand what makes a really good road car, and not this knife edge. You know, current. I'm talking about maybe like current GT3 RS or something like that. That's stupidly fast around a circuit, but actually the business of driving on the road is quite ungainly. Well, largely speaking, uncomfortable because the yeah. dams are so stiff. But mm. the the um. I did. Chris and I did a car years ago, Kermit, green thing. Um, and when we were doing some damper testing on that car, and it's got it, it's more than fifteen years ago, but it's twenty years. I don't know. We, I was complaining about what this car was doing. Bear in mind, I don't really drive many other cars. And he 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 said to me, "Listen, don't forget, you're going at over hundred miles an hour down this B road. Mm. I mean, there's no no one actually." There's not many people who will A, do that, and B, want to do that. So you have to, you have to draw the line. And with the 911K, coming back to your mo motorbike coming, I wouldn't jump on a motorbike because I don't think it'd last very long. Mm. Um, B, I'm terrified of them. And we, we have spent our lives building torquey engines, which pull from nothing. And they're bloody good engines, and they're what you need in a, in a, um, on a rally stage, and actually what you need in, in, in most road cars. But I wanted to experience um, high RPM, and so that was, a, that was a bit of fun to have a go at. And lightweight is always a thing, whatever, whether it's a motorbike, yes. whatever yeah. it is, you know, anything, uh, weight is, is key. So um, the, the, the whole idea of that was to produce a car for B roads. So I don't care, genuinely don't care. And a, a really nice guy said to me, as I took him down the road in 911K fairly early on, he said to me, never, ever apologize for this car. Because before I got in the car, which is often the case, either before or after, I always, always have to apologise afterwards, but that's another story. Um, I always caveat and sort of protect 
myself from anyone's opinion. Sure. So I always say, well, it's this, it's that, it's that. And it was fairly unrefined at that point. And he got out, he said, never, ever apologise for that. That is absolutely fantastic. So if anyone says to me, well, it, it wanders around 100 miles an hour, well, I don't care. Mm. Because if, I, if, we, if it was here today and we went to Banbury in it, firstly, we shouldn't be doing 100 miles an hour. <laughs> and I, I have to say that these days because in the old days... That really wasn't the thing for me. I didn't really care about that, but I genuinely care about lots of things I didn't used to care about. Hmm. So the point is, we shouldn't be doing 100 miles an hour. How much fun can we have 100 miles an hour, even if we were allowed to do it? None. But what I want is between 40 and 80, right? If you want to overtake, when you get an opportunity to overtake, and then you come to a blind corner, yes, you have to slow down, and you want to then speed up again, there is no greater car for that. Yeah. So how fast it could ultimately go down any given road... I don't know, but what I guarantee is between 40 and 80, and full, full stop, when you're in that car, life is different. And that's what we hoped we could achieve, but I never thought it could be that good. Mm. It is still quite niche. <laughs> so it, it's, not, it's not your every... It can be used every day. You can cruise on the motorway in sixth gear at 2,000 RPM. Wow. So you can commute in it. Do you think do you think that car is is the not the, the swan song's the wrong word? Do you think that car is the culmination of your your life's work to date? Uh, no, unequivocally, no, it can't be. It's just another cool thing that we're lucky enough to have a go at. Mm. Um, and there are there, there are there are there are there are if you look back. Uh, things that you know things that don't define you but just moments in your personal life or your business life you can always pick out a few hopefully and I would I would think that is just another one Mm -hmm. it's right up there but as is winning your first round in a in a Vauxhall Nova as is winning the safari with Bjorn Valdegaard you know there's a there's a bloody long list thankfully Mm. and all we can continue to do is, and, and I do continue to do, which is essentially why we end up doing so much stuff, is wake up in the morning with an idea and then usually con someone else into thinking it's a great idea and then, <laughs> and then going and doing it. So I think there's more to come. Well, that's, that's great that you've said that because that leads on to my next question, really, which is what does come next? And I guess you've got that lovely luxury of you're not a brand that's known for building a particular type of we specialise in must be lightweight, must be this particular type of engine, must be this particular type of gearbox. You kind of allow people to come in, don't you, and, and with a wish list of, here's what I want to use the car for, here's how quick I'd like to go in it, and this is my favourite colour, and therefore it gets put together. So from a personal point of view, what, what next for you is, is going to be the next step? What do you want to build? Is there something about the K that you wish it had more of or less of or...? How does that process work as well from planning ahead to what you're going to build next? So the one thing, the, the, probably the biggest change which will come into effect probably in a couple of years is that we, and nothing is ever um, set in stone, clearly. I want, I, ultimately, I want to build cars I want to build. Mm-hmm. So in the, when you're establishing yourself in the road car market or in any market, then you inevitably take on all sorts of things. Uh, if I, look at, if I look at Singer, who are, who are a great um, 
just a, a great, it's a great story. Um, and they're, they're great friends and we work pretty bloody closely together. Um, they, their, their singer classic is, a, it's, it's, a, it's a beautifully crafted car and every client can choose lots of different features, but it's a, for a long time that's all they did. Um, I don't want to do that because, uh, because it's not in my nature. They've now gone on to DLS, classic turbo, DLS turbo coming, all of that stuff. Um, but what they haven't allowed people to ever do is come in and say, oh, can you do that and can you do this in the same way that we have? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to probably do less of that. Um, when I was driving rally cars, I used to also restore houses. And one of my, fir well, my first love in life is building stuff, which is why I like building sheds. Um, and I, when I, <laughs> I used to do bathrooms up for mates because I was pretty handy at all sorts of things, plumbing and tiling and God knows. One particular project was in Leeds. Um, that was a long way. Every day to Leeds. I mean, I used to take a, pl a plaster from Banbury to Leeds to do some plastering. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but often I found myself doing jobs and fitting tiles that I didn't like. Charlie, that's not your tiles, by the way, if you, if you ever listen to me, <laughs> which you won't. He's a shoulder surgeon. Um, so if a client comes in and they say, can you do this, this, and this, you might end up producing something you don't like. And, and I know Singer are quite good at making sure that whatever they produce is in line with whatever they want to, want to be in line with. But uh, what we tend to do is we guide people in a certain direction. That probably to a certain extent will continue, but the reality is I want to build cars I like, and I think others like. The market now is so well developed and so crowded. There's a 911 specialist producing something better than your car in every town of every country of every, yeah. you know, in the world. So. I just now have got some confidence in that, okay, I probably got, I'm probably all right at this. So if I come up with a concept, I don't need very many people to like it. Good. So I'm probably going to reduce the number of cars. So we're going to produce 33 911Ks if there are 33 people in the world who want them. And I suspect there will be. Yeah. We're well on our way to that number. So I probably don't want to build 33 of anything ever again. I might do my worst, but I want to build tens, 15 offs. But they will be cars that I want to build. Yeah. And thankfully, there are enough great people in the world who will perhaps believe that whatever we produce is probably worth having a go at. Um, so I think that will be the biggest change. The motorsport stuff is fairly static in the sense that we can't evolve these cars because they're period regulations. Of course. Plus or minus because certain events give you different regulations. But in the road car thing, um, we've got a new motorsport shed which is, so this is no longer the new shed. It's, <laughs> there's a new new shed. I don't know what it is, but there's a new new shed. Um, so they're all, they're, they're all moving out, um, subject to some documentation. Uh, they'll be moving out in the next week or so. Uh, this will then become our road car, exclusive road car building facility, so that all the motorsport distractions will be out of the building. Great. And uh, we'll get on and build some cool cars. So then in, in a follow-up to my very poorly structured long question before we got to this point, with regard to the the other Ks that are being sold. Yeah. I gather you were at Pebble Beach, the car was on display there. Qu the Quail, quail yeah. sorry, yeah, the, the Quail. quail yeah. uh, the car was on display there, no doubt attracted some interest and a lot of money at that event, as I'm sure most people yeah, are. Yeah, she wasn't on display this year, which is ah, okay. cruising around the area. Brilliant. Causing, causing trouble. Even better. Yeah. What has the, the general remark been from buyer saying, love it, but... On mine, could it be dot, dot, dot? Well, again, because of, because of what I see going on, um, 
in the rest of the world. We've been quite, quite clear as to what we're going to do here. Mm -hmm. And we've already started slipping a bit. The problem is once you say what you want, you, you open yourselves up to a yeah. world of pain. And the problem with that is um, bespoke stuff is bloody expensive. Therefore, you've then got to have the conversation, well, okay, it's just got even more expensive. And because we don't really like doing that, I like doing fixed pricing stuff, really. Sure. Then, so there, is, there, is some, there are some areas that people can play with, but ultimately, it, it really is colour and, and, and um, interior spec trim. But there's a few gadgets coming in and out, and we've just done a nice pedal box for, for car two. Car three is fairly straightforward. I think we've got six in build at the moment. So, wow. um, no, we'll keep that, we we'll try and keep that under control, but it's very difficult because, quite rightly, people are paying an awful lot of money for these cars. Mm -hmm. And if they want, um, you know, if they, if they want, gold dust sprinkled somewhere well we probably ought to try and provide it for them but it's a slippy slope you have to be careful where is the line if somebody says i want doctor, I, I, doctor, I said to you earlier you i say yes to everything so there is no line <laughs> but the the commercial reality is you've got to be very careful because yeah. it's not easy to build I, I will not retire on the strength of selling 33 no 911k's there's a huge development cost never understand that mm. uh, and then the first of any car you build takes a while so typically, they typically cost you money for a while, and then you get good at it. And hopefully you get good at it, good at it in time to make a bit of money and keep the world spinning. But um, our safari cars, uh, they, go, they, they get out the door very, very quickly. They're almost always bang on from the beginning. But then we've built probably nearly 300 of them. So you've got to be careful, and it's not easy. No. So... A question I'm keen to ask is what does, now you're at this point, now you're at this point in time, having built a few other cars, what does, what does Richard Tuthill's perfect 911 look like now? There is no perfect 911. There's lots of bloody good 911s and you need so many of them. So what if, um, if somebody, if somebody said, right, you go and build what you want or you've woken up today and you've got a feeling, oh, I want to go and build this particular car for me. What would that look like? I've got two things. I, um, I'm surrounded by noisy cars, and I don't actually like noisy cars anymore. I don't think I ever really did, and I'm very conscious of driving around in a noisy thing. We have to be very conscious about the environment we now live in. Um, I've been driving, I've done a lot of miles in the last year and a half in a 991 Turbo. Okay. Um, that's an exceptional car in terms of A, covering distance quickly and efficiently and quietly, because it's a turbo. The damping, when you're driving far too fast, works really, really well. The rest of the time it's crap, but it has to be within reason because of what the range of the car is. Yeah. Um, I love PDK, mm -hmm. and I have no qualms about saying that. I have, there's 140 cars on site today. Two of them might have an automatic gearbox. So I drive manual gearboxes every single day of my life to get in a car where you're typically on the phone, in traffic, not in traffic. But the, the gearbox development that's gone on in the last 10 years of the automotive industry is fantastic. So I love PDK. There's a weight penalty which I can cope with. Um, but ultimately, I want to get in a car, I want to be comfortable, and I want to get somewhere quickly and quietly. Um, I gather that Porsche now have got their... 2025 cars or 2028 cars, whatever they are, to as quiet as an electric car. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't driven many electric cars. I'm, I'm sure they're fantastic and the way they deliver performance is cool, but um, I think the jury's a bit out on that, mm -hmm. uh, on, the, on the whole thing. So 
my... You, I, get, I love a 912, a 1965 912. A short wheelbase car to drive is just staggeringly brilliant. I drove one yesterday, which had a really cool exhaust we haven't used for ages, and that was actually really quiet. I said to the guys yesterday, that, can, we, can we look at that and understand how we can utilise that? So my mind will never be fixed on that. It's impossible to have one car, and it's certainly possible to have one 911. And that's not a marketing ploy, but you have to have lots of them. <laughs> 993 RS, I will say one thing. Yeah. I still think that's perhaps the best 911 Porsche ever made. As a, a, out of the factory? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot yeah. of people say that. Uh, the DLS, Singer's DLS is off the charts, brilliant. Um, but, the, you know, I, I was lucky enough to have a tiny involvement in that, but that's a really cool thing. So I've just discussed 912s, short wheelbase 911s, a Singer DLS, <laughs> a 991 Turbo. So we just need to fuse them all together. A short yeah, wheelbase, turbocharged, quiet yeah. 911 with PDK. The, our little, we're making 15 of these little SCRS-inspired 993s. They are very, very good road cars. Nothing like the 911K, nor should they be. Again, we've surprised ourselves how very, very clever they are. And clever in the sense of what they do. They are so simple, but the 993 was such a brilliant car. And we are doing a, um, a 993 RS here um, with one of our new heads, which will be a four-valve, four-litre car. Wow. Um, I think that might be difficult to beat. And I've got, I've got messages on my phone to, to various people where I've, I've said, if you take the 993 RS and you do X, which I won't repeat... It's taking other people's stuff. But if you did that to the 993 RS, I think that could be the, could be the best 911 ever. So maybe that's it. There you go. I'll, I'll tell you, that should be ready in December, stroke January. Perfect. That could be the best car ever. Well, if that's not a headline I know. for a, a, a teaser article of some variety, um, yes, probably the best car ever. That's amazing. It's difficult in conversations like this because we could lose many hours of wanting to explore so much more. Um, but I know that we have only got you for a limited time. So I, um, I, I'm going to slowly start bringing this conversation into land. But before we do, just wanted to, as I often like doing with people that have a business, have built a business, I like exploring the best and the worst bits of the job because... I think it would be very easy for people to look in at a business like this and say, well, you're living the dream. And I'm sure for a lot of the time, it's great, and it is great. But with running a business comes a lot of stress, lost sleep, thinking. We've, we've mentioned it all. So hit me with, let's start with the bad news. What is the, the worst thing about your job? Well, worst, that's a, that's a, um, yeah, that's a word, isn't it? I guess letting people down, so the ex expectation be it servicing a guy's car, literally servicing a guy's VW Golf when it breaks down on the way to Banbury, mm. being on the side of the road uh, in Kenya when it all goes wrong, if it's, if it's to do with us. Well, um, the racetrack is so... you stood on that bloody pit wall and everything is... There's, there's times, there's everything. I mean, it, you are really exposed. And when you have a problem, that's terrible. So I think we... You can only do your best in managing expectation, but we're working with great people who have very high expectations and their time is very precious. So the worst thing is when I think we could have done something to prevent that problem. Yeah. 
we have to accept that doing what we do, you're going to have some disappointments in life. And as I say, that, that isn't about racing and running particularly. It's just you, 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 you're trying to fix problems and, and it's not easy. So that, that would be the worst thing. I, I, hate, I hate not, um, not getting things uh, you know, sorted first time. It's, it's tricky. And how much of that do you take personally? Like, do you I feel take like, everything personally. Yeah. Just because Far it's, too personally. Because it's mean, your name on the door or because it's, it's your creation? It's who I am. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely, this, what you're saying is this is me. Yeah. And, and I take it incredibly personally. I, I take the, if I'm giving someone a bill, as I say, to MOT their car or I'm building them a 911K, um, I take it very personally. That's great. It matters. And the more positive then, best part of the job. Hopefully that's an even more difficult question to answer. Yeah. Uh, um, best part of the job is meeting great people, working with great people, both clients and, and, and people who have come here every day and put up with me. <laughs> um, because we're, we're, it's very unique, this place. We, most of the people here today will be in Africa and we will spend pretty much a month living together. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we really do get to know each other. And I'm, I, I'm um, what you see is what you get with me, so that's good and bad. Yeah. So working with great people and coming here every morning, honestly, I, I, I couldn't, no one could do, do, do it the way we do it without that. And then, yeah, I, I meet the most wonderful people in the world, both on the side of the road of a rally it could be a local guy, you know, I don't know, serving orange juice or whatever, through to a guy who's flown halfway around the world to do the safari rally with you, and he's entrusted you to, to do your best. Mm-hmm. And we meet great clients, so that's got to be the best. Yeah, love yeah. that. That's really cool. Any closing questions from your side, Miles? Any other engineering-focused things you want to cross there's a, there's a There's a million, um, of course. Like I said, and uh, unashamedly, you know, it's been... Uh, it's quite a privilege to come here and you know, I'm a big fan of Richard and his work so um, I'll stop embarrassing you now but <laughs> I, I'm just I'm a huge advocate of what what you do and what you represent and and obviously the output that comes out of uh, comes out of here and has done for many years and I really hope it continues to to be honest uh, super kind. it's um at the end of the day there is no trick we we turn up here eight ish in the morning we go home we work eight to five actually we don't we don't do too many shit fights we do a few but not many these days but it's just hard work and honesty and integrity. And there's a certain point where you put your hand up and you say, we got it wrong. Mm-hmm. And that will always be the case because whilst we continue to be honest and we continue to work like hell, um, we're all going to be all right and, and hopefully do some cool stuff. Yeah, here, here. Right, well, we'll let you get back to it. Um, I'm guessing the priority for the rest of the day isn't going to be getting the washing out of the washing machine. There's probably some more important things to be doing. <laughs> I've nailed that. <laughs> I mean, literally, last job will be probably one more go at the washing dryer. <laughs> um, I've got, I need to test my car. That's worrying me. The alternators are still not fitted. I don't know why. That's a, that's a worry. Um, and um, Then I've got to run a business, oh, yeah. which probably means you know, sort of some grown-up stuff, mm. a few meetings, I don't know. Just quickly, though, when you say, I've just got to test the car, what does that involve? Where um, trying desperately not to upset everybody within a five-mile radius. <laughs> <laughs> and, f- and failing miserably at all times. No, I've, got, I've, I've sort of had a run in it, but I, was, I needed to set the lights up. 
I'm going bloody rallying in the dark oh, on Friday right. night. Okay, so yeah. that'll obviously have to wait a little while. Yeah. But I, I had an alternator problem last night, so I couldn't do it last night. And I, um, I just need to sign... Well, I have to sign off so many cars every day. Yeah. Uh, make a list. and So it'll, it'll just... There's a three-mile loop here. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I haven't cracked a 911 or the problems within that 911, within that three-mile loop, I've lost it. Yeah. So I better stop. Love it. Right, we'll let you do that then. We'll let Here's you go and uh, crack on with your day. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. I'm so glad we managed to do this. Big thanks to Laura as, as well over in the corner. Thank who you said Laura. nothing in this, but um, she's very kindly helped put all this together. And we did in between times, in between uh, Laura corresponding and getting this conversation together, we also bumped into you at Goodwood, which was great. So um, hopefully we will keep bumping into each other in various chapters of our working lives and different corners of the world, because that's... That's what makes us all very happy, makes us all tick along. Thank you very much for coming. It's a pleasure Pleasure. to have you both here. Thank you. Um, As for you, dear listener, I will say thank you so much for listening. As ever, you can see everything that we do at driven.site. That is our website where you can see everything from our written articles to our back catalogue of podcasts to the videos that we produce and lots of other things, including hand-picked news stories for you to read every single day of the week. It's there for you to enjoy. For now... I will say thank you again. Miles, thank you ever so much. Thank you. Richard, thank you for the fifth and sixth and seventh time. Thank you. Thank you, Laura, over in the corner. She's waving. And uh, finally, to you, dear Lester. Thank you ever so much for joining us this week. More of the same in approximately seven days' time. The Driven Chat Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end, the very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.